Would you consider yourself a patient person? Well, for being honest, I'm not naturally a patient person. But in James chapter 5, 7 through 11, we are told by James to wait patiently for the Lord. But what does that mean? How do we patiently wait for the Lord given all the stuff that's happening in our lives today? Well, turn to James chapter 5 and let's get into it. Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. What's up, my friends? I pray you are standing strong in your faith as you continue to stand strong in the Word of God. Now, that's what we do here on the podcast. That's the sole purpose of Stand Strong in the Word is to go verse by verse through the scriptures together. And so I pray that it's been a tremendous blessing to you. Just matter of fact, before we get started in James chapter five, you know, I I heard a story, recent story, that a friend of ours had mentioned the podcast. And then uh, we got another story from an individual who we don't know, who's been listening to the podcast. Well, both of these people have shared uh, with some of their friends about the podcast because one of the conversations was about, hey, I, I, I really want to study the Bible more. And they said, oh, we got a great, you know, um, podcast for you to go verse by verse because the person had mentioned that they were kind of getting, you know, really tired of all the preaching about the Bible, just wanted to kind of just dive into the text. And so now they're followers of the, of the podcast. They subscribed and they're listening and out there sharing. And so praise the Lord for that. And I just want you guys to know, you know, when I was praying, and taking some time off and just praying for different aspects of the ministry and seeking the Holy Spirit and asking for, you know, for discernment, for, for uh, wisdom. It was just, it was a great, I, I would say it's a, it was a really sweet time. And it was a great time to hear the Lord confirming areas of this ministry. And the primary thing, and it's very simple. Sometimes we can, we can neglect this, teach the Bible, focus on the word of God. So if we're going to stand strong in our faith, we have to know God's word. You know, when I started this ministry uh, about, man, it's hard to believe about 10 years ago, most after spending 16 years in the local church, pastoring in Arizona and North Carolina, the sad reality is you guys is well over three quarters of Christians today, when you combine all the generations, the current three really prominent generations, baby boomers, Gen X, millennials. So this is not mentioning Gen Z. And of course, if you throw in Gen Z, of course, they're younger. You know, they're the youngest age is elementary and the oldest is now in college. But if you take the three generations, as I mentioned, it is so sad to see that we are so biblically literate as Christians. And that's not a put down, it's just a fact. When you ask the average Christian what it is you believe and why you believe it, they can't tell you. Most Christians have not spent time critically and systematically studying the doctrines of the Christian faith. Therefore, they can't defend it when objections come against the faith. And so, yes, my primary responsibility when I'm out there speaking is doing apologetics. And a lot of the resources and books that I've developed and talks is on apologetics. And if you go to my YouTube channel, we deal with all types of things, cultural apologetics, philosophy, theology. 
talking about the Bible, aspects of the Bible, you know, looking at theological terms. And we're going to continue to do that and continue to grow that. But the primary, you guys, of any ministry, whether it's a parachurch or a church, is to teach the Bible. We know that's the pillar and the cornerstone is Christ. And the pillar, as we see of the church, is the word, the apostles' doctrine, Ephesians 2, verse 20. And so I want you guys to know, I know we have so much information out there and there's a lot of opportunity, podcasts and downloads and, and things like that. And I learned from so many of them as you do. And so let's just pause and thank the Lord for the resources that we have. As I was just praying the other day for the persecuted church, it is so sad to see how very little of the Bible, many of these Christians who are dying for their faith, very little of the Bible they even have. And they cherish the little that they do have. And yet we have so much here in America, I'm speaking, because I know we have listeners all over the world. And so thank the Lord for the access that we have. And I just pray that as we continue to get equipped in the word of God, that God would then use us to go out there to teach people the Bible. And so I pray you continue to share with people, not just about this podcast, but also just telling people about your faith in Christ. I just felt like sharing that with you guys to encourage you guys to continue to do the things that God has called you to do. Now, with that being said, we left off last episode. We talked about the coming judgment on the greedy rich. And it was definitely a prophetic word that James was laying out, not just that this judgment will indeed happen, but the language in which he uses to communicate this judgment was like a prophet of old. And so if you've missed any previous podcast, as always, go to standstrongministries.org, click on podcast, and you'll see them there. We're actually going to be retooling uh, some of these features in the next few weeks. So take advantage of those when they come out. And hopefully I'll be mentioning that to you guys sometime very, very soon. So today is podcast 156, and we are now transitioning into James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. And here the title is Patiently Awaiting the Coming of Jesus. So let's dive right into this passage and let's understand what the Lord wants to speak to us about his word today as we, as we look into uh, James 5. So notice it right, right off the bat, and this is important, by the way, before I jump in, in context. So verses 1 through 6 of James 5 was really focusing on the non-believer and warning them. If you continue down this path as, as a greedy, rich fool and taking advantage of people, it's not going to be good for you. Then James transitions pastorally to then focus in on Christians. And he starts off by saying here in verse 7, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives their early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble. That literally means in the Greek word, it's stenazo. Do not sigh, do not groan, do not complain against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose that literally is telos kiriro, 
It means that you have seen the end or the goal of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Wow. All right. So let's, let's immediately go back to verse 7. As again, the context here is to patiently wait for the coming of Jesus. Now, no one knows the day or the hour we're told in Scripture when Christ is going to return. And notice how we have to patiently wait. So right now as I'm recording this, things are not good in Israel right now. There's, once again, another battle that's ensuing with, God, with, with Gaza. And Hamas is, is just launching attack after attack against Israel right now. And of course, Israel is defending itself as they rightly should. Now, I don't want to see any casualties on you know, the Gaza Strip or the Palestinians. Those are people made in the image of God, and we need to pray for their salvation. But we know that the Muslims, many of them in these terrorist organizations, they are out to destroy Israel and anyone who supports them. And so things are not looking good. Things are not looking good in other parts of the world. Think that we're seeing a lot of the riots to continue to take place with groups that are forcing other people to bow to their wishes. And so we can have a tendency. Why do I say this? Because we have a tendency to be impatient. Thinking, God, why don't you put an end to this? Or Lord, when, when will you return? When are you going to come? So this word patient here. Now, let me say it's a long Greek word. So I'm going to do my best to pronounce this. All the Greek that I've taken. Uh, let me do my best. It, it's macrothemisete, okay? And it literally means to dwell patiently in difficulty times, in difficult times. So you're facing difficulty. That's kind of the picture of this word. But it goes deeper than that. So you're dwelling patiently in the midst of, of a difficulty, okay? A difficult time with much passion from the soul. So as you wait patiently, as you and I wait patiently for the Lord, there's passion within our soul that despite how difficult things are right now, I passionately, you and I passionately await from the depths of our soul to be united with Christ one day. And that's why he says, therefore, all right, so this is intense patience. Therefore, brothers, until the coming, the Greek word is, Parasio, meaning the coming advent of Christ, our Lord, okay? So, and then he gives the example of a farmer, right? A farmer who waits for the precious fruit of the earth, and he's being patient. So, we as Christians are to remain patient in the midst of difficulty, and we are to do, do so like a farmer. Okay, so that hopefully this could be very helpful for us, because if you have planted anything, you know that you don't wake up the next day and you know, it's grown two feet and it's already bearing fruit. I mean, we were doing a garden last spring and some of the fruits that we had uh, planted actually take several seasons until they start becoming mature enough to, to, to bear fruit. And so my younger kids were always like, dad, what's up? Did, like, like I did something wrong. And I kept letting them know as you guys, and I even had to pull out my phone and show them some, some things about gardening with certain things. And and uh, we just got to be patient. But when it comes, it's going to be awesome. And, and, and that's what James is saying here. So after detailing, remember, the impending judgment on the greedy rich, James then, he, he pivots here immediately. He doesn't waste any time. 
to also encourage these Jewish Christians, these notice he refers to them as brothers, for them to remain patient, saying, look, these people are taking advantage of you. And you, when you look at their houses, you look at their business, they're going on vacation, you see their positions of power, and then you look at your own life and thinking, but I've been faithfully seeking and following the Lord. What's up? And it's a reminder, James says, for all of us. That may be the case when you're looking around yourself right now thinking, why, is it ev- why are the evil people advancing? Why are these evil people in power? I keep praying and I'm not really seeing any change right now. Patience, my friends, because Christ will return. And as you and I continue to plant these seeds, as you and I continue to cultivate the soil, fruit will come. We just have to be patient. Notice, until the coming of the Lord. Now, this is interesting because in all the letter here, remember, this is the very first letter that goes out to uh, the early church, the young, immature church. And I'm saying immature in the sense that it's not blowing up yet. This is the first mentioning of Christ's return. And James mentions it. Now, let's go to this. Let's, let's look a little deeper into this illustration about the farmer. Because this is the first illustration given by James and using the illustration here as a farmer. And notice it's one who waits patiently for the crops to grow. That's a good farmer. So right off the bat, you guys, as a, I'm going to use a term, you know, to apply here, as a good Christian, not in those pleasantries, right? Good Catholic, good Christian, you know, you do good things and you avoid bad things. I'm not saying in that in that sense. But as a representative of Christ, to truly be an authentic follower, you have to be a patient person who submits themselves to the coming of Christ's return. Okay, that's our focus. So every day, and you know what? This is something that came to me early on in my Christian faith. No, I, was not, I shouldn't say it like that. I should say early on in the ministry. I went through some really dark times and I was really hurting bad. You know, like when you have that pain in your chest that never goes away. And I wasn't sleeping well. And I was young. This is before I met my wife now, Celia. And one of the things that really comforted me, and it was actually through a sermon that the pastor at the time that I was under had shared. And I, I honestly can't remember the passage, but I just remember the subject. And I really started to go deeper into that subject matter about the return of Jesus. And I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a believer in the, in, the, in the rapture. And so that really brought comfort to me. It really helped me take my focus off of my worries and the problems that I was going through and start focusing on his kingdom to come someday, that he's going to come take his bride. And that just really changed my perspective. Literally, you guys, it gave me a heavenly perspective, right? And so here, this is a very helpful way for us to say, as I wait for the return of Christ, I need to be like this farmer. I need to be one who patiently waits for the crops to grow. And oftentimes in the, in the Christian world, we're so busy, we move on to the next, we move on to the next, we move on to the next. And I've seen through different denominations and different time periods under different leadership, people come in and they immediately just wipe out whatever that previous person had done. And they start afresh. And it's sad. 
I think a lot of people in the ministry have done a lot of cultivation and they've done a lot of planting and they have in patience uh, seen crops grow, meaning souls being saved, families coming to Christ, marriages being strengthened, children coming uh, you know, away from their sin and who are prodigals and coming back home. And then a new leadership comes in, they just wipe all that out. And that's sad. And so I pray as, as you and I pray together that not just you and I be patient as we wait the return of Christ, but pray that the church as a whole, even in, 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 we're talking denominations, you guys, that we will wait for the return of Christ. Now you got to remember, despite the trials and the persecutions, these Christians are to anticipate that the fruit of the gospel is going gonna, is gonna to go forth and it's gonna, we're going to see tremendous fruit all over the world. So sometimes you guys pause and just go and search about how the gospel is spreading. Now, I realize in some areas, people who do are getting access to this podcast, but it's very limited because of the restrictions. You may not be able to get the the information that that I'm getting or or things that come to me through, you know, messages and, you know, in various ways, because I'm blessed to hear some tremendous stories throughout the, throughout the year, each year. And I'm telling you guys, the gospel is exploding around the world. Praise the Lord for that. And that's what James is saying. Focus on these things. The Bible knowledge commentary gives us insight about this word patient. The idea is to set the timer of one's temper for a long run. Think long. Focus on the final lap in the race of life. Have a long fuse. I like that. So you and I need to have a long fuse. So in this section alone, when James is dealing with uh, the, 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 the idea here, the topic of patience, guess what? He uses it four times. And he uses the word steadfastness here in verses 7 through 11 twice. So in, so in six ways, in six different sections, he's talking about being patient. Now, when he uses this phrase early and late rains, remember the first rains that germinated the seed and then the second matures it. So he's saying when you have, from the very beginning, we got to plant before the rains come and you got to know the seasons. So you got to discern that. That's being patient. I think a lot of times we rush in without praying and interceding and getting a pulse of what's happening. And again, having that long fuse. Now in verse eight, again, notice he says, you also be patient. So he's saying, be patient for the coming of the Lord. And then he says, you also be patient about what? Establishing or strengthening your heart. So when we are patient, we will be strong in our faith. When we're strong in our faith, it's because we're going to be patient. And ultimately, because notice he says again, for the coming Lord is at hand. So he's reiterating that. That's a very proverbial way of responding, again, in Jewish uh, philosophy and Jewish ways. Okay. Uh, this is what we see in Proverbs. This is how we see oftentimes in, in, in the Psalms. So he's reiterating this once again as a proverb. Okay. So for the third time now, we're seeing so far just two verses. James tells Christians to be what? To be patient. So again, if you and I, again, that we stress this, if we're going to stand strong in our faith, then we have to patiently await in Christ's return. That's our hope. That's how 
you and I can also stand strong on our faith is because we're hoping in the return of Christ. That puts things in perspective. That puts things into order. So if you are neglecting that, repent of it, and let's focus patiently on the return of Christ. James emphasizes this, you guys, in two verses because of the importance. So this is now the second mentioning of Christ's return. Now let me just let me just read you some passages because as I'm challenging you guys, as I'm challenged by James's writing here, his being inspired by the Holy Spirit, as he was challenging the early church, he said, challenging us 2,000 years now, right? This is so important because notice how many times throughout Scripture Paul talked about this in the writer of Hebrews. Look at listen to Romans 13 verses 11 through 12. So again, as you repent. And we stay focused on return to Christ. Write these verses down and refer to them. Memorize them if you have to. Romans 13, 11 through 12. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Hebrews 9, 28. So Christ having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Philippians 3, 20 and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Titus 2, 13. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's additional passages. And again, this will be posted on our website when you go to podcast 156, James chapter 5, 7 through 11. Additional passages. 1 Corinthians 1, 7. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 22. Philippians 4, verse 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, 9 and 10. And Jude chapter 1. 21. So you see the importance, my friends, of you and I patiently awaiting the return of Christ. And that's why in verse 9, he says, do not grumble. Don't, don't groan. Don't complain. So let's pause for a moment here. When we are not patiently awaiting the return of Christ, it's not the tendency is to complain. We will complain. We will grumble because our focus, our perspective, our mindset, our practice is not in awaiting the return of Christ. So what tends to happen is when you start taking your focus away from an internal perspective of Christ coming and establishing his kingdom on earth one day, we start grumbling against one another. And you know what? This is, this is exactly where we're at, you guys. With COVID stuff and mask stuff and views of LGBT things and you know, abortion things and political things and identity politics. There's so much grumbling that is going on among Christians. And it, that right there at the heart of it, you guys, what, what that should tell you, all of us, and if you're contributing to this, you have to repent. You got to get right with the Lord. You can't, I'm not saying, because this is not true, my wife and I can't even do this. You can't fix all of the problems that you face. And you wish that certain people would stop doing certain things. And you know what? You got to pray for them. No matter what you try to say, they don't want to hear it. They just want to continue to be a button pusher. There's nothing you can do. 
You forgive them in your heart, release them to the Lord, and pray that one day you'll be reconciled, okay? But if you're, contrib- if you're grumbling, if you're groaning, complaining, and you're sighing about a lot of things, all this and all that, and then you take it out on people, you're not patiently waiting for the return of Christ. And if other people are doing it, neither are they. Notice, when you are patiently waiting, you're not going to grumble against other, tr- other people. And notice, when you do that, though, when you do grumble, you're not waiting patiently for the Lord, you're going to be judged. Because he says here, the judge is standing at the door. So in one sense, when we're waiting for the return of Christ, it should excite us. Anticipation, the hope that we have, the living hope. Christ is not, he said in the upper room, behold, I go and prepare a place for you. And when it's prepared, I'm going to come get you. So you guys, our bridegroom, our savior, he's about to return for his bride, the church. And we got to be patiently waiting him. And as we wait patiently, we have to be like that virgin, that chaste virgin. We got to be living pure lives. We got to be living for him, not for ourselves. But when we start grumbling and we start focusing on things not of the Lord, we're going to be judged. And now the fear should come. And so one is excitement that he's returning. But then the fear comes thinking, oh no, what would Jesus think of my life? What, what kind of judgment will I be facing one day? So in light of Christ's imminent return, Christians, listen, listen to this, my friends. We as Christians, we are called to endure persecution, right? We are to go through suffering. We are to strive to bring uh, peace among the community of believers. We are not to grumble. Let the fear of God the judge, Jesus specifically, the second person of the Trinity, and John 5, who is the judge, who has that right, he will look at your life, he will look at my life, and we will give an account. Do you want to be that person who has neglected the return of Christ and so focused on things of the world? Listen to the IVP New Testament commentary. It says, quote, Christians lose patience with each other under these pressures. And the church becomes infected with a readiness to criticize and blame. James would correct the problem with a renewed vision of the imminently returning Christ, particularly emphasizing that he comes as judge, end quote. So when you go back to the previous chapter, right, in James chapter 4, what did James specify there? What did he say causes a lot of the arguing and fighting? He says, what causes quarrels? Remember, he said this in James 4, verses 1 and 2. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. So this phrase, judge, is standing at the door, before the door, or literally, it's the doors. This is the third mentioning of Christ's return. So as Christians now, let me just say this. We will face the Bema judgment. We will face the Bema judgment. That is, we will give an account of how we lived as stewards of Christ. There will come a judgment someday where the non-believers, this is the second death we're told, they will stand before the great white throne judgment and they'll be sent to hell for all eternity. But as Christians who know Christ as our Lord and Savior, we will be judged on what we did in our faith. 
and the giftedness that we've been given by the Holy Spirit. How faithful have we been? How have we loved God? How have we loved others? How have we learned the scriptures? How have we propagated the gospel? How have we made disciples? Are you just a grumbler? Are you just a complainer? You know, the sad reality is you guys, and you know, I'll talk Frank here on the podcast as we study God's word. James Member doesn't hold back at all. He lays it out there. He kind of is in the spirit of Elijah, who John the Baptist comes in the spirit of Elijah. And so James is really a reflection of those two mighty men of God. There are so many Christians that, you know, that's what they do. And quite honestly, you know, through the years, you just got to remove yourself from these people. It's like cancer. They're going to wear on you. And they do. And, and anytime you try to correct them in scripture, you're the one that needs to be corrected, right? You're the one that has a problem. And I think in many cases, some of these people um, are influenced to the level of being demonized. And so they're around these spirits that have been controlling them to cause so much division. And that's what James is up against here in these cases with these greedy rich people. They were, they were under the spell of the enemy. And of course, those people in verses one through six in James chapter five are not Christian. But here, we have Christians who are grumbling and causing division. So it wasn't just the greedy rich that are causing problems. It was people within the church. So we have to be focusing on the return of Christ. You know, when you're a kid and you're doing things and you hear that car pull up when your parents pulled up again, what did you do? You put everything away. Whatever you're doing, you put it away and, and act like you were goody two-shoes sitting there reading a book the whole time while your parents are gone. But as Christians, what are we doing as we await the return of Christ? Are we even every day of our lives anticipating that today can be the day where Christ will return? So let's, you know, let's work on some of these things because in verse 10, he gives an example. And this is an example we need to follow. He says, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets. So the second illustration, he talks about it being a farmer. And now he's saying, listen, think of people like Elijah. Think of people like Jeremiah. Think of people like Daniel. So what does this tell us? Well, let's, let's study them. If you have not, in some time or have never studied a particular prophet of the Bible, start with one that intrigues you. Learn about their life. I love biographies. I love going to the bookstore. I love grabbing a biography at times and reading through it, right? And especially if it's somebody that you admire, right? Or there's some kind of, you know, kind of a scandalous thing out there and it's a tell-all kind of a, uh, biographical account and you know you can't get enough of that kind of stuff you know let's let's look at the prophets not as in a scandalous way even though a lot of the people in their culture uh, felt that 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 they were right especially people like john the baptist and jesus but let's be intrigued in their lives let's learn a thing or two about them to inspire us that's what james is saying he's saying guys we have so many rich examples of people who have lived patient lives, who have endured through a lot of suffering. So look at these prophets, you guys. So as we wait the return of Christ, study up on how God has moved uh, through the lives of many of these people. Now, the third illustration in verse 11 here is he references specifically who? Job. Who else? Remember, he says, consider those blessed who remain steadfast. Remember that this, uh, he used steadfast twice. 
And he says it again. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. And notice, I love this, and how, and, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord. So that's the whole point of Job. It's not to be so fixated because Job wasn't on the suffrage. The whole purpose of it was to see the purposes of God. And notice what he says here and how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So James's third illustration is let's look at the suffrage of, of Job. Look at his suffering. That's one of the most extraordinary examples of someone who persevered through continuous tragedy. Go back to Job chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. Go to Job, Job 2, verse 10. Go to Job 13, verse 15. Job, despite all that he lost, he remained steadfast. You remember how James opened up his letter in James chapter 1, verse 2? Count it all joy, my brothers. So right off the bat, James was already considering Job in writing this letter. Because he says, count it all joy, my brothers, when what? When you're being blessed and have a lot of money and a good job? No. When you meet trials of various kinds. And so now here, James refers to James, or excuse me, James refers to Job's perseverance through severe loss and grief. So let's look at this, this phrase here. You have seen the purpose. Because that's the question. What is the purpose of all this? Is there a purpose? Is there meaning? Is there any great significance that I can take away from this? Trials reveal truth and they show the goodness of God despite the heartache and pain. Perhaps as you're listening to this podcast, you're going through hell right now. And it's not just that you're looking for a pick-me-up. Your faith needs to be strengthened. You need to be picked up by people who love you, who will intercede and pray for you. That's why, let me share this verse with you right now. If that's you right now, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So listen to me, my dear friends, as I close this podcast today. As a Christian, you are called to remain steadfast. And it's not because you're something special. It's not you remain steadfast in your giftedness. No, 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 no. I, oftentimes, and that's why I, there was a long pause there because I just, it hit me before I was going to say this, that there's so many Christians who are quote unquote standing strong because of a ministry platform they have or because of the knowledge that they have obtained. The scripture doesn't tell us to stand strong in that. That's pride. That's actually being foolish. So listen to me, my friends, as I close out. As you wait patiently for Christ, as you remain steadfast, you are remaining steadfast in the promises of God. Jesus said he's going to return for us. He's either right 
or he's wrong. But when you look at Job, when you look at Daniel, when you look at Jeremiah, these people were steadfast in what? In the promises of God. They knew full well that God will ultimately fulfill his good purposes in their lives. It was a matter of time. It was an if. It was a matter of when. So as you live your life, live in knowing, my friends, that God is faithful. That Christ said he's going to return for his bride and we as his bride are to wait patiently for him. So I pray that brings not just comfort to you, but it strengthens you and motivates you to go out there to share your faith to a world that is desperate for the gospel. Thank you guys for listening. Until next time, keep standing strong, my friends. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening and keep standing strong in the word of God.